0: Hey everyone, I'm Jay, and I am an overworked and underpaid desk jockey.
1: Hello, I'm Sophia, and I am a lifeless, discarded doll made of straw.
2: And as always, I am Scott, and I am a burning effigy. And this is what which you've is which Welcome
0: to Impasta Syndrome, where we talk <laughs> about pasta and pasta-related pasta and pasta accessories. Um, <laughs> We're not
1: actually naming the episode
0: "Impasta Syndrome." Impasta Syndrome. <laughs> oh, no. hey, I'm the one. I'm the one living in South <laughs> Philly here. <laughs> All the impastas. Um, yeah. So, welcome to Imposter Syndrome. It's kind of I don't know. So we, we've been talking about doing this episode for a while. Um, I think we mentioned it in our last recording session. I don't know if we captured that or not, or if we talked about it during it or a little bit after, but we've kind of been talking about it between uh, the three of us um, because we've been feeling it pretty strongly. Um, And we thought it was really important to talk about it, but which I found interesting. So I don't know if it's just the universe and synchronicity or if Google just listens to everything that I say, um, but Maybe I've just so. been finding – probably a little bit of calm A, a little bit of B. Um B. I've just been finding so many damn, like, articles popping up about imposter syndrome and how to, how to beat it and how to stop it. And um, I just found that really interesting. So I don't know if that's just the Google algorithms spying on me or – the universe actually presenting something but google is the universe so and we're all living in the matrix so i guess it's really it all makes sense um
1: i'm heavily in the both camp i think it's both (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) a little bit of both uh but yeah we're gonna talk about some imposter syndrome um does anyone in particular want to actually let's back up for a second let's talk about what i feel like some people might not know what imposter syndrome is We might have some younger listeners or just people who weren't familiar with the term. Um, So how I would best define imposter syndrome is um, you're doing a thing and you're particularly good at a thing or you're involved with something, but you feel like you don't deserve to do that thing or you're not good at that thing or you're not actually that thing. So, like, suppose you are... um, you're in art school. You're an artist. You had a portfolio. You got into that school just as fair as everybody else. You know, you have talent and you're in your drawing class and, you know, you're looking at all these other people that are better than you. And you're like, oh, am I actually even an artist? Like, what am I doing here? It's kind of, it's that feeling, that feeling of maybe a lack of self-worth or rethinking or, just general anxiety about a particular thing and that's that's imposter syndrome you feel like you're impersonating the thing that you
2: actually are right but a lot of the time too another thing that comes with it speaking of that like impersonating feeling is this anxiety um although completely irrational is this anxiety that someone's going to you're going to be quote unquote found out right like someone is going to realize that you you in particular don't belong in this space even though you know that you worked as equally as hard to get to whatever that place may be you have this anxiety that you were going to be like quote unquote like I said found out that that they're going to cast you out right um okay can I just
1: say how dare you like air my personal feelings
2: like (laughs) that do you feel like personally (laughs) (laughs) attacked? yes I must be honest I did a little homework um I I actually posted this to uh uh, to my my Facebook, I, and for whatever reason, I, I kind of yeah, like I saw that article. Uh, yeah, a, a doctor. I found his YouTube channel. His name his name is Doctor uh, Ali Matu, and he um, he is a PhD in psychology, and he um, he came well decorated. He uh, he was on the board of directors for the American Psychiatric Association, and he also taught at a um, a pretty uh, prestigious university here in the United States. Um and now, however, he he chose to forsake academia. But anyway, uh I saw his video and it was all about um imposter syndrome. And uh he made some really interesting points. Like one, uh, imposter syndrome is not a mental illness. You cannot be diagnosed with it. Um, while I think he would agree that it could load into prior existing situations with mental illness, but it itself is not one. But um
0: yeah, foster yeah. syndrome pretty much has, like, anxiety fueled written all over it.
1: Uh, <laughs> it. It seems to spring from mental illness as well. well that's think... just my my anecdotal opinion. Please continue oh, yeah. with your researched actual stats
2: and facts. <laughs> um, well, like I said, I think it loads into it, right? Like, I think it's a, like, for you, I think it's an experience that you have. It, and what happens is, even, like, for you, Sophia, it. it your anxiety comes in, it's like, oh, you have this other thing, right? You have this sort of um, little sort of normal thing that very normal people, neurotypical people experience, and we're just gonna load this into our thing. And that's kind of what mental illness does, and that's, I think, what he was trying to, uh, or at least he would maybe possibly agree. Um, But, yeah, uh, so he was, I mean, it was interesting to see a, a mental health professional Discuss his own imposter syndrome. Um, you know, HBO hires him now to talk about psychology, and he kind of uh, he kind of talks about psychology on TV and if it's represented well and things like that. I mean, but he, he he says to himself, "I don't even know sometimes if I belong in those spaces." You know, and he talked about his own his own stuff. But I, I went on there purposely to to hear his opinion on the on the subject. I'll make sure to uh, share a link. Somewhere <laughs> uh, to his YouTube channel. I'll show put notes. it in
0: the show notes. So just pop that in the, in the chat. Send that to me, I'll put that in the show notes. All right. I will. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, anything you want to jump in here, Sophia?
1: I mean, I have just a bunch like, of feelings.
0: Maybe, um, give us your understanding of imposter syndrome.
1: My uh, understanding of imposter syndrome is that it sucks. And I hate the fact that I feel like I'm not real and finger guns. I feel like I almost <laughs> want to avoid the. I almost want to avoid the answer because of how well Scott summed it up. And like mm-hmm. what I really feeling, I have to contribute to the episode. is like talking about the ways that it personally affects people or like how it relates to me and like, what do we do about it? You know, shit like that. Because mm-hmm. like, yeah it's a feeling and I've kind of do feel a little personally attacked right now not no offense (laughs) not saying actually yeah you know
2: Uh, you know the one thing I will say I regret is that unfortunately I didn't watch the video all the way through I promised myself that I was gonna watch it um soon before Wednesday and uh things have just been off but uh so unfortunately, I didn't watch the whole video. But the one thing he I did hear him say was one of the one of the best steps to kind of coping with imposter syndrome is talking about it. Talk to other people, um, uh, if if you you know whether it be a group of people who maybe openly talk about imposter syndrome, or talk to friends, um, or if you know other people who just you know whatever, just talk to other people in the room, even or the space. And nine times out of 10, they're going to sit there and be like, I experienced the exact same thing. Imposter syndrome, the one, and this isn't from the doctor. This is just me knowing from experience and the doctor and just other readings elsewhere. But imposter syndrome is pretty normal. Um, It's the same thing as like intrusive thoughts. Neurotypical people get them, non-neurotypical people get them. Um, It's uh, equally as frustrating and equally as uncomfortable, but The good thing is, is that, like, you get to know that it's a normal function, right? Like, it's something that just happens. Um, And it's just about, you know, developing the coping skills and not. I think in particular not trying to handle it alone. I think that seemed to be one of his big ones.
0: And um, one thing, I think, to kind of really make the distinction here, so... I think at one point in our lives, we may have all met, know, or interacted with someone who actually has, like, I don't know, actually has a big ego, and they constantly say, like, oh, I'm not good, oh, I'm I'm not this, and I'm not the best, and I suck, and really, they're just fishing for you to, they're fishing for praise. I'm and to fishing- their ego. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they're fishing. No, no, no. You're so great. Stop. Your, your art is great. Your writing is great. You're so beautiful or whatever, whatever the thing may be. Um, that is not imposter syndrome. That's just someone with a goddamn big ego. And that is, sometimes it's hard to spot the difference. Um, but just keep aware of those signs because I have met plenty of those people in my life and it's, yeah. Yeah.
1: Like at the same time you said all of those things that you were saying totally resonated true with how I feel about myself right now, you know?
0: And right, like, but you're it's not very... saying the things for people to praise you.
1: No, I, I actually, in fact, normally say them after somebody says that I'm good at something. Right, um,
0: yeah, I also have a hard time like accepting um, like compliments and positive things like that.
1: So I'm just going to, like, dig deep into this right here and, like, give a little take on it. For me, my, it. Impos- <laughs> my imposter syndo- syndrome directly correlates to being observed by others. Okay? Um okay. I don't like to talk about myself too much because I feel um, like it's bragging or something. But, like, I did martial arts for a very long time. And I was very skilled and practiced at it and at no point did I ever feel like I was an imposter because in the the act of combat the act of training you're competing you you learn by doing you know there's there's a winner to a fight there's not necessarily those clear-cut rules when it comes to say being noticed by your peers for poetry that they like or maybe they like your presence as a person and want you around you know um I can be good at something and know that I'm good and not have to hide it either or pretend that I'm not good at it but for example I'm good with throwing knives and I can I can toss them all around and do all kinds of fun shit if someone's watching me, I fuck up like nobody's belief because I'm worried about what they think about me rather than just doing what I know that I can do, right? And it's like the same thing with like even the podcast. I feel like
0: maybe it's a bit of if, stage fright kind of thing. It's,
1: it's, I mean obviously and that's gonna tie into like what I'm doing tomorrow. Oh mm. I didn't even tell you. We'll get into that. Um but It's the act of being observed by someone else that that induces that in me. I I can do my witchcraft, and I could be a solitary witch for the rest of my fucking life, and I'd be fine. I wouldn't need a a coven to come and help me with stuff. I could literally be that witch in the woods by herself doing shit, right? Because it's so much less scary than being scrutinized by others. You know, Mm -hmm. even if I am stronger with other people and I know I certainly am being around that requires being around them and trusting them and having them see like my my strengths and my weaknesses and uh, also having them like trusting them to hold me true to who i am instead of trying to project their image of who they think i am onto me right which is always like a conversation and a negotiation between you and the people around you right and that interaction is so stressful that it causes me to like block up and feel like i don't ever want to even be seen because i'm afraid of the act of being judged
2: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean, yeah, I I completely, personally, I completely feel that. I mean, of course, it's funny, right? I mean, it's interesting how, like, I mean, for me, I understand where you're also coming from, Sophia, about how it kind of loads into the, the anxiety, right? It loads into the mental health mm-hmm. thing. It does for me as well, um, I, especially about the scrutiny of other people. Um, I am not good at that. I am not good at oh, man, I'm not good at taking constructive criticism. I get offended very easily. Um, you know, it's stuff that I, but these things I always feel like are just, like, little character things that I need to to enhance in myself. They're, like, you know, they're, they're some of my own personal shortcomings, and I just have to work on them, but I didn't always think that way. I only think that way now because of my therapist, but uh, I get it. I really do. And And imposter syndrome is hard, and in particular – I don't know if you. I don't even think you meant it to do this, but you kind of, uh, you you at the end of it, you kind of like went into witchcraft in particular, and I think that that's, uh, interesting and imp and important to notice, just because imposter syndrome, like, it, it, if if anything, it could it could almost be an illness of uh, of a particular community of our of people, just because imposter syndrome seems to run, seems to run rampant in the occult, uh, sphere, um. And I think, in part, uh, like Sophia said, it's because that's all we like to do a lot in this community. We like to scrutinize, um, and and we really don't know. how, uh, You know, the art of conversation uh, has been lost on a lot of people in this community. You know, we like to rip each other apart, um, and and you know, we're we're kind of vicious. It's kind of like a Mean Girls only with magic. Um, <laughs> you know, and can't and sit I, with us. Right, but seriously, exactly that. You can't. On sit Wednesdays,
0: with we wear black.
2: That too. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I mean, I'm always
1: wearing black unless yeah. it's summer, in which case I'm probably also wearing pink. <laughs>
0: the other <laughs> black. <laughs> no,
1: I just, I yeah. All my shoes are black. Okay, I will never not have black with me. It's
0: just a, it's a, a life. It's a lifestyle. I mean,
1: or I'll be wearing fishnets. <laughs> Or I'll have tattoos by then. Like, it's just a thing. You gotta have it. It's like, whatever. <laughs> but,
2: um, but, yeah. I, I mean, you know, we're, we're a very vicious community. Uh, and I, I've said this in videos before. But, I mean, it, realistically, if, if we had a much more, if we had a more visible, empathetic community. Because there are a lot of very empathetic individuals in the community as well um but the thing is i feel like once again it's more like the the hateful voices tend to be louder they're more observable than the more quiet empathetic ones yes um you know because the people truly coming from empathy are, are more like you know they'll come to your dms you know they'll be like hey you know i saw what happened are you okay you know for what it's worth i think you're you're great at what you do you know they're those people you know they don't need to grandstand they're not doing it for attention um, they're not doing it to soothe your ego. They're doing it because they genuinely appreciate whatever it is that you do. Um, right, and then because, this, you know.
0: because if they did that, if they did publicly say, hey, you're you're good, you're great, you're fine, you're awesome, then other people would immediately jump in, like the, the, the nasty people would jump in and be like, oh, look at you just doing this for attention, trying to get right. that positive PR. And it's like, dude, shut up. Uh, just trying to be a nice person.
1: You know, like it's hard for me to disagree with this because I've always been that person who never even fit into the witch community. Like, Jay, you asked me before the episode, why don't I go to Pagan Pride uh, or help organize it or get involved? And I wanted to save it for the episode. And it's because exactly that. I'm fucking afraid of being judged, like I said, you know? And anytime you work with other people in magic and opening up what you do it's an extremely extremely vulnerable thing like and I know that very often my magic doesn't look like other people's does and I know that it's gotten me hated on before in many different places even when I was very young and I was looking for my first stuff and like No Wiccan group would take me in because I was just some blasphemous dabbler. They always had some label to give me. So it's really hard after a lifetime of that kind of exposure to the community to want Mm. to suddenly place that trust in them and open yourself up on that kind of level, you know? When it's like, why would they deserve that when that's all that you've had?
0: I actually have a couple of points. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll start with, with what I'll jump over what you were saying just now, yeah. Sophia. Yeah, go for it. So the reason that. So I, I think I'll, I'll just start off with this. My imposter syndrome is not as intense as yours Sophia and I don't know if it's in I don't know how much like on a scale of one to ten what is all of our imposter syndrome levels ten being like oh my god
2: all-time high oh okay uh for me I would honestly say it's it's honestly about like a four or five it's actually on the lower
1: side
2: oh Christ I'm at like an eight
1: or a nine
0: Okay. So Sophia's at critical levels. I would also agree with you, Scott. I, I think I'm sitting, well, I'm I'm a bit lower than you. I'm thinking more at like a three or four, maybe yeah. even a two or three some days, depending on the situation.
2: I agree with that. Yeah. It gets a little lower depending on the day. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's very situational for me. So here's a couple things. So when I first, and this, and this kind of like goes hand in hand with, with community, because I think the best way that I got over, so I, as a kid, I was the kid that never talked. I couldn't look people in the eye. I was, I had my face in a book at all times. I was the kid at recess that I would, you know, bring my book out to the schoolyard, especially after, um, Katie and I, we got separated from each other in the third grade. So after third grade, my, my best friend was gone. So I didn't know how to make friends. Katie was my only friend up until, you know, third grade. So, I was the kid, especially in elementary, middle school. Middle school, I started to open up a little bit. High school, um, I would say senior year of high school is when I actually started to, like, talk to people and and hold my ground in conversations. College is actually where I became my own person. Um, But I think a lot of that has to – it's all kind of wrapped up in the idea of imposter syndrome. So. I, I've i come a long way from being that really, 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 really socially awkward kid that couldn't even look you in the eye, you know, nose in a book at recess. And I was the kid that people threw the dodgeball at right in the face because they thought it was funny. So I know what it's like to feel like nobody. I know what it's like to feel like nothing. I know what it's like to feel small and insignificant. And witchcraft helped me overcome that because I I mentioned this before in a previous episode. I think it was the community episode. Um <clears throat> I went to a, uh this is like well past after I was done my my own Wicca 101 years. I was well into my twenties, like early twenties, and I saw Wicca like one on one class that was happening in a you know around me and I took a friend and I was like hey come to this thing with me and he was like okay we're going to the thing and we went and that opened up a world for me. Like, I didn't need the Wicca 101. I just wanted to meet other people that were into the the, the scene, if you will. So I wanted to meet other people in the community, which I did. And that led me to um, a group that is, it was called The Inner Path. It was like an open pagan circle. And they rented a space in a Quaker church uh, where they did open rituals, like open to the public. So you didn't have to be in the coven. You didn't have to be a member. You just had to show up and bring a dish or a drink for the potluck. That was it. And they would sometimes ask for like a little donation, anything you could do, because they it cost them money to rent the space from the church. And that was it. So there wasn't anything really – there was no contract. There was nothing holding me there. And I will never forget the first day that I – and I showed up really early – me and a couple friends, I showed up super early to, to a Samhain ritual. That's the first one we decided to go to. And I got there and um, my my witch mom walked in and uh, she looked at me and she goes, oh, you're here. Great. Now I can put you to work. And the work that we did, <laughs> you, you kind of have to think about w- witches' work is not just candles and incense and incantations and and you know sage it's not just that it's it's drag these huge fucking heavy church pews off to the side and make space here and roll up the rug and move that over and you have to you're you have to build your church you have to build your place of worship and that kind of work was so humbling to experience that it just it completely changed the path that i was on and from there i started to get involved in more stuff i eventually ran a ritual in that group and Some of the criticism after that ritual, man, it really ripped me apart. Especially because it was in like a Google, uh, like chat message thread or something, and they Mm -hmm. really ripped me apart. They didn't like my ritual clothes. Like I had just worn just like a plain green. It was for an Ostar ritual. And I actually have the script of the ritual. I'd, I'd like to share that at some point. Um, <clears throat> but my ritual, the pacing was a little fast. And but it was my first one. It was the first public ritual I ever did. And the people that helped me put it together, they were like, "Look, it was quick. Yes, the pacing was a little fast, but you were nervous, and it's fine. But you did it. You did it. And people liked it. Like I would say, the it was an overwhelming. Not overwhelming it was majority of people said that was a good ritual it was short but it was a good ritual and that like i had such imposter syndrome before i i did that ritual i was freaking out and Even though I knew, I'm like, I know this is a good ritual. I know what all of my, like, all my symbolism means. I know, like, the sort of, like, the the theatrics of it that I wanted to have in there. I know the point that I'm driving home, and why do I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing? And it's just, it's it's nerves, but the the best way to, to overcome that is I just, I cast that circle, and I did the ritual. And I have to say that, like, it all started from the experience of getting sweaty and and a sore back from moving benches and setting up dinner and, and doing all these things and helping break down and getting stuff out of the basement. And it was just such fulfilling work because you did all that work beforehand and then you did the ritual and you did the work. And then you realize that this is a witch's work. This, the whole experience is a witch's work. And your community embraces you so much more when they see you at Pagan Pride events, like setting up tents and helping vendors to their spots and standing in between two parked cars to save someone's parking space so they can unload their, unload their shop. And it's just, it's such, I think it's good to start there don't think about the magic don't think about the what i'm good at or what i'm not good at or whatever the case is because for those kinds of situations it's not about the magic it's getting the event to happen and then that's when the magic happens when that community comes together that's a ritual in and of itself it's
1: it's hard though if like you feel like you don't belong in that space, you know?
0: Or if you're someone who's afraid to even let your voice be heard. But, I mean, even in the sense of, like, going up to them and being like, hey, do you need anyone to help, like, um, set up tents? I mean, are you qualified to set up tents? Yes, but I'm not qualified to talk to
1: strangers.
0: Strangers about... That's about, what I'm saying. Is like strangers about like, so like work like being being like a I guess like just like a, a general volunteer at something like that. Like for our volunteers for our Pagan Pride is like, hey, I'm here. What's up? We we'll say okay. Here's your T-shirt. Um, go over there. We need decorations <laughs> over there. We need uh-huh. the altar set up. Um, we need. Yeah. It's just doing all of those mundane tasks and it doesn't matter whether you're a high priestess of the 10th order of the who fucking cares or you just picked up Scott Cunningham's book the other day. It doesn't matter. You are that community. And it's a really rewarding experience. It's more like...
1: It's more a matter of like... I... It's a problem with me. It's not a matter of, like, I can't do those things or I, I'm not good enough. It's a matter of, like, you feel like you're going to not belong no matter what. And, like, I am so petrified of talking to new people. Like, I, I have to work at a place for for months before I actually even open up to people. It's It's, like,
2: hard. I mean it's, I mean it's really hard. If I may, it also I mean I mean just in general not to like put you on the spot Sophia in any way just like in general. I mean it also sounds like I mean imposter syndrome is good work to do for shadow work, you know what I mean? Learning to understand that part of ourselves, you know, and where all that stuff comes from, you know, really being honest with ourselves and turning the mirror on ourselves, you know? That's why, you know, I, I
1: and, like, okay. the, the thing is, like, I know where it comes from. I could lay all that stuff out on the table right now, but I'm not going to, like, trauma dump on, on, the, on the episode. But, like, right. the problem is not necessarily understanding where it comes from. The problem becomes doing something about it. You know? Like, I know what the way out is. It's painfully obvious, but I still feel like I'm I'm tethered. Like, like, I'm physically chained, like, like, my throat, I can't even open it to speak to someone. I could, I, I'm so afraid of even just, like, inviting people I have a a kind of a crush on to, like, a social gathering, you know, like, it's hard. It's really hard. Like, I come from a very different world where it was, like, Not a lot of people. We lived in a very small town. Everything was really fucking crazy and haunted. And yeah, there was lots of magic everywhere. But like, you knew everybody. And everybody knew everybody since like, your whole fucking life. And strangers? Strangers are something different. And you had to pay attention to them. And even within the city, I was the outcast. I was the outcast among outcasts. And I'm like, still the person who, among the betwixt, my system really doesn't fit. And it's kind of half fucking made up, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's hard when you've lived a life as an outsider and had to like, make the fact that you can survive on your own, regardless of what happens, a core strength and principle of you as a person. It's so hard to, to change that. And suddenly open yourself up to people and let them see all of you, you know, it's not that easy to come out of the woods and live in the city and all of a sudden have a microphone at your hand and set foot on a stage, you know, these are very difficult things and they've, they take a lot out of me, you know, and I'm trying yeah. to do it, but it, it ain't easy.
2: It's, you know, I mean, I, I get it. I do. I, I really, I mean, I can understand, I can uh, emphasize. Um, it's funny, like for me, when it comes to, so before the podcast started, I was saying like the reason why I feel like I'm like about like at a four or a five, sometimes a three. Um, whenever imposter syndrome comes up, I like to have a conversation with it. Um, I kind of, and, and the thing is, this was before therapy too. Um, I, I've always kind of been able to just be like, you know, I look at my surroundings. I look at the books that I've read. I've looked at the works that I've done. I think about my experiences um, I think about the knowledge and and the the healing I've brought for other people with what i've with what I've done, and I'm able to kind of be like they can ha- they can say what they will, and that's okay for them, but I know what I've done, I know what I know. And that has to be okay. And I'm not saying that I always have the easiest time of like letting my voice be heard, but I could do that silently for myself. You know what I'm trying to get at? Like, I just have to. Yeah. For you me, to, anyway.
0: Huh? You have to. You have to talk to yourself. Do either have either of you watched that um that show on Netflix? It's a cartoon. It's called Big Mouth. It's about like kids going through puberty and shit. like I that. absolutely love that show. I think <laughs> that
1: have not okay
0: um it's it's raunchy and sometimes the humor is terrible but what animated adult show isn't but there is a character in there called the shame wizard Mm -hmm. and the shame wizard appears when they're all having a a co-ed sleepover in the in the gym at school and he just he makes everyone feel bad about everything you know like you have acne and you like her but she doesn't like you and just you know all those typical like you know puberty kind of things that you feel at that time but that's kind of what I imagine imposter syndrome to be it's like the shame wizard but you kind of see later in the episode and it's not really a spoiler because it's been out forever so Um, you see later in the episode, the shame wizards, like, he's not like a bad guy. He's just really misunderstood. (laughs) And, and he's actually very lonely. Yeah. He's just incredibly lonely and he doesn't know how to make friends. And, um, I kind of just view imposter syndrome as that, as the shame wizard in a way, like, Like, I know you're trying to make me feel this way because you're so hurt and lonely and you're just, this is what you exist to do. You exist to make me feel bad. It's like you're personally talking about (laughs) me to me. Just, like, stop it. (laughs) Sophia, the shame wizard. Um, No way. (laughs) And sometimes I feel like we can be our own shame wizards. And and that's the idea. Like, the shame wizard, you know, it pops out of you. You know, it comes from you. That's how he appears. You summon Mm -hmm. him because of your own bullshit that you're dealing with. Right. And um,
2: And he only goes away when you accept your own
0: bullshit. Exactly. Yeah yeah like the kids they all kind of band together and they're like so what I'm horny all the time and so what that I have acne and you know fuck you shame wizard and then he kind of disappears um so yeah it's really it's it's really it's really pertinent um i and i think Unfortunately, I think the best way to deal with imposter syndrome for at least from my perspective, is to, is to
1: play the shame wizard. Of course.
0: You could create an effigy of effigy the shame of wizard.: Yeah, we'll, we'll burn him on a new moon. It'll be good.
2: That actually Uh, might
0: not be a bad idea because you were talking a lot, Sophia, about how you feel chained and tethered. Well, that's a metaphor that I work with because I am
1: a fucking poet and I trope on my own work like a fucking shameless hack.
0: Right, but that's what I'm saying is you can take those... Obviously, those those tropes and metaphors and everything, whatever that is, that symbolism is is powerful to you for what you're experiencing. So I would create a ritual... A spell whatever it may be it may maybe it's it's a ritual that you have to do Everybody every night I'm
1: just putting it off because fuck <laughs> it's like a really good one from patheos too it's like how to uh what was it how to break curses that we place on ourselves because i
0: know that's all this fucking is at this point but i just still ain't doing it
2: uh-huh. um,
0: and we did we did talk about that too, like how you can you can curse your, yourself, you know, uh-huh. or, you know when you're when you're dealing with your own negative emotions and stuff. Link I, to that
1: article in the show notes, by the way. Yes,
0: yes, we put that in the show notes. I did have another point to make. Um, kind of when Scott was talking earlier about catty bitches in the, uh, how how witches can be catty witches, I guess. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was actually listening. Uh, to an an older episode of New World Witchery. Mm-hmm. I think it was episode... It's very specific in my head for some reason. I think it was episode 77. And it was What Witches Do. And what they were talking about was... I don't want to say what witches do, but what is a witch? What does the witch do? What is the vocation of the witch? You know, like that kind of thing. Where does witchcraft even come from? Like, what is it? They were kind of having, like, one of those deeper kind of discussions into witchcraft. And... Cory was because he's a you know he's a history buff and he teaches you know, folklore and stuff like that so he really dug into some folklore and what he was saying he was like you know back in with the with these folk tales like back in I guess what people referred to as the old times or whatever when you know you did have your village which village which is they were all very specialized So it wasn't just like, oh, I'm a witch. Or it was like, if you want to talk to spirits, you go to this person. If you want to break a curse or place a curse, you go to this person. If you want herbal um, remedies, you go to this person. So it, it was this idea that all of these things were very specialized and separated. Now, I think what a lot of witches, and I'm guilty of this, and I'm working... Out of it, I've been working myself out of it over the past couple years of my practice. Um, right now, the modern witch feels like we need to be good at everything. We need mm-hmm. to know crystals. We need to know herbs. We need to talk to the dead. We need to, you know, have 1-800, you know, talk to the spirit realm. Um, you know, call collect or whatever that is. I'm showing my age. I don't care. Um, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, we need to do everything we need to be good at everything and if when we meet other witches and you know suppose like other witches are like oh well that that crystal right there or that that stone right there that's um that's that's you know amethyst and i'm like sometimes i don't know amethyst from a hole in the ground i'm just not really into stones it's not my it's not my calling it's not my specialty and i think as witches we tend to like look oh how can you call yourself a witch if you don't know what amethyst is You know.
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's like definitely a feature of uh, the ins inside community gatekeeping that goes on. Like I've never personally felt the draw to have to be an omnibus witch who's good at everything. Like I'll tell you now, I I know some herbs, but I'm shite at them and I probably gotta learn most of them from Jay and buy a book. Most of my spellcrafting, half the time that I'm doing it, if I don't know what I wanna do already, I'll be like, Jay, let's get your books, bud. And we'll like go through six maybe 8 or 12 spells and, like, kind of pick parts that work and, like, hodgepodge some shit together, you know? That's how
0: I spellcraft. And honestly, uh, anything about herbs, I either ask Scott or I ask a book. I don't know a lot of things off the top of my head either.
1: And I know (laughs) a lot of features about, like... The overall architecture behind a spell and why weaving what parts together do what things, but like associations, I don't know that for fucking life of me. God, neither. I I know associations
0: that I like. That's why I've amassed so many books as reference so that way I can reference Mm -hmm. those things. That's just information that I cannot seem to keep in my brain. Which, by the way, can we get a, a goddamn
1: spell. list of that book list you have? Because it is, like, the holy stack <laughs> of spellcrafting.
0: Actually, I've been meaning to do a book list of, of my books just for my own organizational purposes. So, Me yes.
2: too. Uh,
1: I, I seriously want, like, that to be an episode that we do very shortly. Is like, talking about a bunch of books that we have and have liked.
0: And, you know, Sophia, if you ever want to borrow any of my books for an extended period of time, I'd be happy just to ship them out to you.
1: I mean, you just can't. I mean, okay. So here's the problem. I'd, I'd like be like, send me your big spellcrafting motherfucker, and you'd be like, not that one. But the shipping, <sighs> please, anyone but that one.
0: Well, it dep- Well, okay. So the book of five thousand spells. I think it would be cheaper to find you a used copy and literally send it right to your house <laughs> online. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it would be cheaper to do that rather than ship it. But for the smaller ones, totally. I'm I'm open to being your international witch library. I
2: actually got a brand new copy of that like the hardback edition.
0: I have the hardback
2: edition. For for um for like 14.99 or some stuff. Yeah, it's uh, very Amazon. inexpensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And can I just
1: say something? This is like our total off episode tangent right now about books. Young witches listening, I will tell you this, the biggest mistakes I ever bought was buying too many fucking theory books and never snatching up those compendium of spell books that I saw. Now I don't have any. And I'm like, oh, well, i know the theory in the fucking world i could even write my own books oh what do i do i don't know component lists i have no spell books oh but i know the the principles behind spell crafting the theories but
0: what do i put together i um, had the same problem for the longest time which is why now when i think <laughs> about like there are some theory books that i kind of want now because a lot of my theory books are very wiccan um wiccan kind of based. So there are a lot more like modern, uh modern traditional witchcraft theory books that I do want to get. Um But yeah, I, I mostly just try and focus on like spells, like spell books, spell compendiums, stuff like that.
1: Let's be honest, too. I can also do sigil working because i'm extremely fucking practiced at that with like a decade of it um i could do a whole bunch of other stuff but i don't like limiting my spells to just like a one range of thing you know it's like i want sigil working i want to be able to know my herbs and associations if i could learn planetary hours eventually and not suck at that that'd be probably pretty cool uh
0: right but there's but there's also nothing wrong with having a book as reference yeah. And not remembering it, because, I Her. mean, that's just a lot of information.
1: And also, there's nothing wrong with eschewing uh, all of it and saying, fuck planetary hours like I did. And some of the most, like, raw potent magic I've had was from just, like, pure energy and, like, focus and gnosis and not necessarily doing it at the right time, you know? Sometimes
0: like, it really makes me anxious to wait until the quote-unquote... Just the right time to cast.
1: I think that kind of segues back into, like, the imposter syndrome part of the episode. Because, like, magic can feel so... Fucking technical and cumbersome. It's kind of like an academia in and of itself with tons and tons of schools that you could study and know things about yet never truly be an expert. And there's always going to be all these like contrasting opinions. And I noticed that like in the community, we've kind of framed ourselves around the general framework of academia. You know like generally people who have knowledge within the community are people who have solid enough ideas to write and assert them which of course i'm not saying they shouldn't have levity but that naturally is how academia works as well except we don't have any type of like verification process unless you're say getting initiated into certain traditions right so like there's not necessarily the credentials required like there is in academia but you can also tell it when someone's extremely well practiced and isn't just giving you the same shit that you've read every fucking time you know so there's a lot to be said about that and i'm not sure whether or not like having an academic framing and approach for how we like disseminate information within the community is wise because there's a lot of gatekeeping and like obfuscation like an obfuscation is a word that like betrays its own meaning it means the deliberate um concealing of knowledge through complexity the word itself is obfuscation and you see that in a lot of old occult works right because all of it occult and academia have been so closely tied for so long you know
2: i i remember the big shift um Uh, in in, uh, like uh, my mid high school year. So like sophomore, junior year of high school. um, I remember that's kind of when we started kind of, you know, there's arguments about um, people who kind of argued for more practice. You know, that was a big thing, right? They wanted more like actual work, like like doing magic. Uh, People were more interested in like uh, magic through emotion, magic through feeling. And then all of a sudden this big uh, kind of uh, resurgence of magic is academia. Um, I mean, of course, obviously, you know, not to speak in sweeping generalizations, there was obviously communities of people already pre-existing who fought for that. But realistically, too, a lot of our community, unfortunately, we're very prone to extremes. There's either too much academia where, you know, it boggles us down with gatekeeping and, and uh, kind of these false superior attitudes and things like that. And then you get it to the people who kind of, who never study, who never do any of like the, the research and just kind of practice willy-nilly and very blindly, um, and you know, they don't get like a framework for their magic. Um, and I realistically, I personally believe that it's like kind of a balance finding, the balance between you know, academic study of magic and, and and kind of our the heritage of sorcery, and then kind of the emotional, spiritual practice of magic you know what i'm saying like i think we need both and we need them to exist harmoniously and it's it's about bringing that you know these groups of people into into (laughs) into a single group of people (laughs) um
1: i'm trying not to laugh because as it were it seems the middle path is always the solution for a lot of things except with fascists never with fascists it's always get rid of the fascists
2: Oh yeah. But I mean, I mean, that's why I've always loved the idea of like, you know, the crooked path, you know, I always yeah. joke and say that's that's the one thing they warn you about in the Bible. They warn you about the crooked path in the Bible.
1: Yeah. Neither God <laughs> nor hell nor heaven nor earth. The
2: betwixt. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. The betwixt. It, it, you know, I, I think, and that's really what it's about. I mean, but totally, you know, and it's, 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 yeah, I don't want to ramble.
1: I mean, rambling's the whole fucking point of the show, my friend. <laughs> that's
2: true. <laughs> I think I think
0: we do best when we when we ramble. I think that's why people listen to us.
1: Yeah, when um, when you when you just kind of like tap that emotional keg and let the ramble feels come out, that's why people listen. Um. Yeah. But yeah, like it's really hard. Um, magic is strenuous and. It's
2: hard to memorize
1: rituals, and, like, there's so many different ways that other people's magic might look different. Like, some people might do it spellbook in hand, reading from an altar-flipping page. Some people might, like, stand in circle with everything memorized. Some people might, like, issue pre-written quarter calls and go for, like, their own emotional-based... What's the word I'm looking for? It's a petition. That's what that's called. You don't pre-write it. You petition through emotion in the moment. There's numerous ways to do rituals, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. the fear of someone's, like, your magic not lining up with somebody else's is really what makes me not want to do it. And I know that, like, I, the utopian me wants to say, oh, but our gifts will come together and we will build something greater from our differences. And I know that's probably true, but.
2: I mean, and one day that may very well be true. You, you know, you're uh, not the only one. I am also uh, one of those utopian dreamer type people. I, I, I pray for it all the time. I have dreams about it sometimes, but. The thing is, uh, what was I trying to say? Okay, oh, this is what I wanted to get at, what you were saying. I wanted to kind of air myself out here, like to kind of show that I'm I'm also maybe a little bit part of the problem. Um, yesterday, uh, last night, I was watching a video about on YouTube about this young girl and uh, she was sa- talking to someone about how she's a demonologist. Um, and she went on to kind of describe her practice and she said, you know, I'm not a demonologist in the sense of what uh, you know. Other people who say that are. She says, you know, I, I do energy work and uh, in, and combine energy work and sort of non-traditional demonolatry. And to be honest with you, when I, when she first said that, com- the idea of combining Reiki and demonology, uh, which is what she was talking about, um, it made me uncomfortable, and I reacted very academically. I was kind of like, that is not how it works, right? And then I had to catch myself. I had to be like, number one, you don't have the right to tell her that that's not how it works. Um, you never met this girl in real life. Um, you ha- you have- you've never experienced what she has experienced. Uh, and you have no idea. You-, you don't know. She's briefly talking about her practice. And I, ha- I had to put my, you know, I had to sit myself down. You know, I had to shut myself up for a second because I started getting judgy. And I, you know, and I think as a cultist, I think a lot of us are prone to it. You know? I mean, I've heard people who, who, even people who totally definitely agree with what we're talking about here, who, who kind of go about and do it, you know, do it themselves, you know, they're, they're, they're judgy. And yeah, I think we're all prone to egocentrism a little bit here as well. Magic, I think magic makes us a little uh, egotistical um when you can work wonders with your will and intention um i think it it kind of you know it's one of the beans of of, of the sorcerer of the magician of the witch uh, uh you know try not to get a big head you know mm-hmm. remember that that humility i i think is is a, is a great lesson in any spiritual tradition and
1: um you've i think the crux of my uh, imposter syndrome because that's exactly what I use it for because I have had really good results and I don't want to talk about it. And I like maintain the fact that like nobody would want me because I'm not very good as a way to like distance myself from what I know that I'm capable of. And in turn, it's, it's a method of tempering myself to not get a, a f- head full of, uh, arrogance. uh but just taken to the extreme.
0: So you're saying that you may have a tendency to come across as grandstanding sometimes?
1: No, that's not it. Um I worry
0: about
1: I worry a lot about how others see me. I
0: mean, like, I probably, do you worry that other people think that you're like I guess the opposite problem, like do you think that other people How do I phrase this? Do you think that other people would look at you and perceive you to be the one with the massive ego or the opposite
1: for me it's more an issue of like i know i have to keep my ego in check otherwise honestly my magic really doesn't work um i there's a lot of things i i do to keep with like a personal code um that really makes my stuff work for me, you know? Mm -hmm. And if I'm positioning myself like I'm high and mighty, I get a fucking spanking. And if I'm humble, and I accept that I'm part of something much bigger than me, and I have things that I can do, but it's not just for me, and I'm here to help serve other people as well as myself, that Is entirely different. And that's where a lot of my strength comes from. So, like, I definitely, it is like an act of trying to keep myself concealed so that I don't, I don't know. I'm also kind of like worried about it, you know? I'm not worried that like they'd see me as someone with a massive ego. I'm more worried that like I could become that person,
2: you know? I mean, but that's everybody though, you know? Like, I just admitted, you know, my thoughts. I, I do it. I slip into an egotistical jerk. and catches me all the time. You know, he's like, you're sounding like one of those trad witches, you know? And I'm like, "Shit, I don't mean it. But the thing is, is that I do it and I don't mean it. It's easy. I think the point is, is that you catch yourself, right? Like it's not about the fact that you do it because we all do it. I've caught each and every one of us on this podcast doing it at one point, including myself. Um, but the thing is, is the fact that you're catching yourself is the fact that you have the humility to say that was, you know, going too far or that, you know, you have the ability to harness and sort of put a reins, you know, put the reins on your on your ego. And that's a good thing. You know, uh,
0: that's the sign of a good witch is having that self-awareness and discipline, right? Like The, the right. self-awareness of what you're doing and the self-discipline to pull it back reel it back in you know go back to the center
1: comes down to trust i don't trust other people to be gentle enough with me and i don't trust myself to know who i will be when i get that kind of attention i
2: think I, i do understand that to
0: in person see the internet the internet is a beautiful and terrible place so in person I don't think I've ever really had an experience, like a face-to-face conversation with someone being like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I I know everything. You, you don't know what you're talking about. I've never really had that experience face-to-face. Maybe you have, Scott or Sophia, I'm not sure. But personally, I've never had that experience. There's, Online, there's more of an art have, to
1: disagreement, right? Like, there's an yeah. art to it. It's not just like, fuck you, you're wrong.
0: Right, but on the internet, that's what you get yeah you get fuck you you're wrong um so it's it's a it's like we live in two it's like we live in in two worlds in in modern society you know we live in the in like the uh the face-to-face this is the this is reality you know that we're all talking to each other and then we live in the online world and the online world is is um it can be beautiful and terrible all at the same time um And I think that's where a lot of that community bullshit pops up with the egos and this and gatekeeping and and all this kind of stuff. But that's where I think that – I think that is – I don't think you're going to get over anything like imposter syndrome, not get over because it'll always be there. But I don't think you're going to take it down a couple notches unless – and I'm just speaking generally, not necessarily at you, Sophia, but – yeah. I don't think um I don't think you can I don't think you can take it down a couple notches just online. I think it you really have to have that person to person um connection. You know
1: and, you're, you say you're not speaking to me personally but I <laughs> I'm taking it like you are and you really are so just please keep going. <laughs>
0: um as your therapist I suggest oh. um <laughs> no but I guess So, speaking to you directly, Sophia, or anyone who is going through a very similar experience to what Sophia is going through, um, I truly, truly, truly believe, and if you are in an area that is, you know, open to this kind of thing, look for your local Pagan Pride chapters. This isn't just a plug for the Pagan Pride uh, organization just because I'm president of the Philly chapter. That's not what this is. This is something that has actually helped me or look for just open pagan circles there are some that are just open to the public you can just hey pop in for our Samhain ritual they they do exist I'm not saying that they're everywhere I am fortunate to live in a large liberal city um but they do exist they are real and if you can find one I suggest it and go in there with try and just have no expectations like just go in there humble yourself humble your own ego and just go in there and just experience it even if you hate it and you never go back at least you experienced it and at least you did something and And that's why I always – see, I'm really bad at things like small talk, and, like, that's – my social anxiety is still very present. I'm very bad at small talk. I – sometimes I I really don't want to talk shop with everyone at witch gatherings, which is why I think I got more into the organizing part of things because I much prefer to – be on my way running to you know put out some small fire of you know oh the 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 amps aren't working we gotta check the plugs or thing I'd rather say hi to someone, oh hey, hey, how are you? What's up? Yeah, gotta go, gotta go work on this. You know, the the show must go on. I'd much rather do that <laughs> than aimlessly wander around like, oh, pip pip. Hey, how about that witchcraft? You know so you much rather deal with no the uh, urinals and (laughs) yes i would much rather (laughs) take scott and walk to the local gas station and buy armfuls of toilet paper to fill the portable toilets because they didn't give us enough we're not using you next year you know who you are um I would much rather do that for the event, for the community. Like, everything is for the community. You know, like, buying that toilet paper, it's for the community. That's community toilet paper. Because we're having an event for the community, and we all use the toilet. So it's just, I would much, that that is just so much more meaningful to me. So, And I do, and I have my interactions, and people come up to me and say, hey, this is a great event, or hey, this is what you can improve on. And I take all of that and I say, thank you. And I just, I prefer that side of it. Now, I'm not saying that the only way to get over your imposter syndrome is to do that and do all that. But I think for me, it helps because it's not about the witchcraft. It's not about the magic. It's about the event and it's about the community and it's about just making sure it's successful. And then from there, for me, it opened a lot of doors so
1: of- i'm um, trying to mentally prepare for an open mic night tomorrow that i want to perform at, but i'm really scared about
0: <laughs> see that surprises me
1: why it that's surprises- actually the reason that we're recording on a tuesday instead of a wednesday
0: yes <laughs> see th- that surprises me that you have such like You have such reservations about just, like, reaching out to, like, a local group just to help, like, set up an event, but you're going to go up on stage. I just find that so interesting. Like, you have the opportunity to be kind of, like, behind the scenes helping, and then you just chose to take that huge step and be like, hey, get me. Look, I'm, um...
1: There's two types of people in the world, okay? There's people who will slowly edge into the water at the pace that they're ready, and there's people who know that that's going to be excruciating for them, and they just need to dive the fuck in. I'm the latter.
0: Okay. And I think this is a very good (laughs) thing for you. And I think you're going to be great at it
1: yeah i i'm I'm hesitant now in the exact same way that I was with coming out as trans to be honest, and let's tie this into queerness. You thought the episode was wrapping up, but we haven't touched that yet, so that was a really big issue for me like I remember one of the hardest things for me for coming out wasn't um wasn't writing my dad the letter and sending it, although that was hard. Um, it wasn't the Facebook post or waiting on word from how it went when my sister told my mother. It was when, it was when I was at a picnic in Vancouver, I, it was my first trans social gathering and I was, I was terrified. I couldn't leave the car. My sister was, um pregnant with her first child at the time and rather annoyed it was her first pregnancy and I understand, you know, pregnant brain is some crazy reality altering shit from what I hear and I get it I just couldn't get out of that car and it wasn't I can't even explain what it was but Being myself and just speaking to people for the first time. It was so hard. And it's the exact same feeling right now. With, like, getting ready to read my poetry on stage tomorrow. But it's, like, I've been longing for this. I have been wanting to, like, get on stage and dance and perform. And, like, do poetry. Because I can't really sing for shit. Post-voice surgery. And, like... I really, really want to do it and I see other people doing it and it like sparks an immense longing within myself for that experience, you know, and as terrified as I am, I know I'll be okay. I might be embarrassed. Um, I know my embarrassment will not stem from my lack of skill or any stuttering or performances, but rather uh, the appreciation afterwards as I practically try to hide myself afterwards. I'm going to try and fight that instinct, but yeah, it's, it's the appreciation that's the hardest. I feel that. Yeah,
0: I do. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh,
0: Yeah. Especially like after like, I don't know. Like after the first, the first ritual I did, and everyone was coming up to me like, "That was great, that was great." I was like, "That thanks, you know." Like, and it's so funny. Um, Joyce actually mentioned this to me um, the first time I took them to one of the rituals at South Street Circle. And so so Jim, he's the organizer of it, and he handed me, you know, like, "Hey, can you call North?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And and, and now like I don't. Like, it doesn't bother me to participate in ritual. Well, yeah, I'll call a quarter. I'll cast circle. I'll call the God. God, You know, whatever whatever you want. Like, I can do it. I'm confident in my ability to do that. Um, And that's just come with time and practice and, you know, experience. But, and Jim knows that. Like, he knows, like, oh, I can count on you to do this thing and to do it effectively and do it well. And I don't know. Like, I guess because you can you can adjust the volumes of things on podcasts and stuff like that but I am naturally very um very soft-spoken T has not improved that at all like the deepening of my voice hasn't really improved that because actually if I I, I kind of have to retrain the way I, I speak a bit because if I try and project my voice louder I automatically try and have that loudness come from my throat versus kind of like more of my chest so um I don't have a very loud projecting voice except in ritual. I find a way to to make it work. I find a way to to make my vocal cords work for me. And I read things with the pacing that they should have. I I I take pauses. You know, I, I, I know how that how that's supposed to go. And Joyce was very surprised the first time that um, that I read something in, in ritual, like in public. And they were like, where does that voice come from? Where did it come from? I never hear that. I never hear that voice. Where is that? And I was like, that's, that's my, that's my ritual voice. And it was, and I, and even coming from my own partner, like I didn't know how to like, how to take that. It was, it was, it was a thing of praise, you know, like they were like, wow, that, that was powerful. And, and I felt something and that was cool and i was just like yeah it's just that's me in ritual i don't know what to tell you you know uh-huh. <laughs> so i I understand where that comes from and i i still have a hard time accepting compliments and and things like that i don't know about you scott i don't know if you have any
2: um as far as like compliments are concerned like i'm very awkward like mm-hmm. i'm like oh thank you like i don't really ever know what to say um yeah. in particular I a
1: compliment hmm? huh? I don't know how to return a compliment.
2: I'm good at giving them, but like I'm really bad at receiving them. I like receiving compliments online because it's not as obvious, but when people give me a compliment, um unfortunately, I wear my awkwardness on my face and yeah. i've 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 had people literally say, Learn to take a compliment um You know uh and and i'm like and the thing is they didn't meanly uh they just meant to say like you know don't be so uh don't be so shy or don't be so like don't don't think so lowly of yourself you know you did a good job i'm letting you know you did a good job you know what i mean um but i'm good with compliments either uh online but that's just because it's easy just to be like oh thank you so much you know smiley face you know and you send the, you know you send your reply. There's not there's nothing to see, but in person like it's really obvious that I suck at compliments, yeah. and that that bothers me a lot.
0: <laughs> I'm also the worst like when like if someone does something particularly well and I and I want to compliment them, I'm also sometimes really awkward at giving compliments too. Like what I what I want to say is like. I want to give them, like, a detailed explanation of, like, this was done so well, and that was great, but I don't want to come across sounding like I'm a fucking critic. You know what I mean? Um, so I'll just be like, that was awesome, or that was cool, and, like, thank you. And then, like, they're probably just as socially awkward as me, so they're like, hey, thanks. It's and, actually. Huh?
2: No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. See what you're saying.
0: No, and I was just saying, and then it just becomes, like, a, a circle of just people awkwardly socially like socially awkward people complimenting each other and it's like we all like each other and we all like what we're doing here but we're just we're so hard on ourselves that it's hard to be in the moment and just collectively be like I think it's easier for someone to stand up and just say we all did well we are all doing well Mm-hmm. This is good, and I'm not saying it's. I'm not saying that mentality of like everyone gets a participation trophy. I'm not saying that. It's just when you are in a group of some sort and it just went well, it just goes well.
2: Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. I mean, but I I think in general, um, as as human people, as like a you know a society of human people. Mm. We, we have a very difficult time, at least in the culture that I'm aware of, with giving compliments as it is. Many times people uh, sometimes take compliments as uh, as sort of like um, uh, antagonizing backhanded. Or, or backhanded. backhanded. So, yeah. yeah, like they well, they take it in, in different ways, you know, like sometimes they just think you're trying to be snarky, you know what I mean? Like, you're don't, we don't really mean it, you're trying to say something else, like they're reading between the lines of something that isn't there, you know? Um, people are very untrusting of compliments as well. And I think, uh, I think we just need to normalize compliments in general. Um, and it's funny we're talking about this cause I did something that was very out of my norm. Um, I was reading another book by another author, uh, also a YouTuber named Calden. Um, and uh, his book just came out and I picked it up the other day at the local cold shop, Harry's, uh, Harry's world. Um, or yeah, Harry's. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I actually messaged, I DM'd him on, uh, on Instagram. And I just told him, you know, I haven't read your, uh, read it yet. I just bought your book today, but I'm thumbing through it. And you did an outstanding job on your book. I said, best wishes on your next one. And I just sent him a smiley face and I felt really good, you know, but at first I was very nervous. I was like, he's going to think I'm a weirdo. He's going to think, you know, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, whatever, you know, but really what I was trying to do was I have this opinion now where I want to say thank you. Like, I just want to say thank you to community members for doing things, you know, like for putting their out there, for writing a book. You know, uh, there's many of those authors. For people happened.
0: that have given us messages about the podcast. We appreciate yeah, that, those.
2: Mm-hmm. Of course. I mean, I, I messaged Matt personally and I said, thank you for sharing the episode of, of the religion episode, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I think that we should be saying, thank you, you know, um, thank you. Or, or you're doing great. Or, you know, like, I I don't know, I guess I I want to normalize it, you know, for as nervous as, like I said, I'm, I'm good at giving them, but, uh, bad at taking them. But I think if I normalize it in general, I think maybe I'll start feeling better, you know? Well, and can it, I say never
1: never lose that mentality? Because, like, I can't do that for as much as I really wish right now. I was at the place where I could be that person who, like, reaches out to somebody who is good. I'm intimidated by people with renown. I'm like, who am I to even speak to them,
2: you know? You know, Can I also say, too, I have an experience that I just, and I think this is why... I'm not as bad as Sophia. Otherwise, I would be. In particular, but in general, this was a witchcraft figure. This person, her name is Dorothy Morrison. And one time I was in Salem and I bumped into Dorothy Morrison on the wharf in Salem. Uh, And I was going, you know, I was like, oh my God, you know, I love your work. Uh, Keeping in mind, I was younger. I was uh, I was probably about oh I don't even know. maybe maybe 18, 19, 20, 21, somewhere around that. And uh she 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 puts her hands on my shoulder and she says, I'm just a person just like you. She said uh I'm I'm no you know, I'm just like everyone else, you know, and she gave me the biggest, warmest hug and she treated me as her equal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I mean, this woman has years on me in the craft. You know what I mean? But she, um, especially then, you know what I mean? I was young. And she she just, she, she yeah, she just hugged me deeply and, and was like, no need to gush, you know? Like, it's not like that, you know? I'm just a person. And it, it I think it changed me somehow. I think I understood that, I don't know, I, I don't know. I guess I understood it differently how that single moment, uh, kind of, gave, you know.
0: You kind of cut out there on that last bit. Um, I said it,
2: that, that single moment I said, you know, I never realized how just that single moment, uh, kind of gave me a, a frame of mind, you know, a, a much, you know, it changed me what I perceive myself in accordance with other practitioners you know in in magic in particular uh i've always felt the imposter syndrome Uh, i wanted to bring up like my queer experience because Mm -hmm. it's funny because i've always like growing up i felt very distant i was strange and weird and awkward and i was confident or or in any way the, uh, the quote-unquote stereotypical idea of what a, you know, a beautiful, sexy, um, you know, self whatever queer person is supposed to look like at a, in high school. You know, yeah, I, a, a I, pretty gay
0: versus not a pretty gay, I guess, whatever. Yeah, whatever
2: that. that is, whatever. whatever that means. I wasn't that, and I, I never had support from those people. um right. So, uh, you know, those people shunned me at every chance they had. They were bullies. They were mean. And I relied on other people for that. And it's weird because I, 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 after I started practicing magic and stuff, um, you know, yeah, the magic kind of is where I put most of my attention. So, mm-hmm. and, and I became to identify more as a witch. You know what I mean? Like, witch, my identity. You know what I mean? It encompassed mm-hmm. all of me. So when it came to, like, my queerness, Um, I never cared that I wasn't queer enough, at least not for a while. And then it more, not that I cared necessarily later on, but it was more, I just, I just came to realize I wanted more queer people in my life, but I didn't care that I wasn't queer enough for other queer people.
0: Yeah. I kind of had the opposite thing. Like there's so much queer people in my life. Like I don't really, and we all look different and we're all different levels of, I don't know, physically, conventionally attractive, whatever the fuck phrase you want to call that. But um, I, I would like 95% of the people in my friend group are queer. And so I never really cared about being queer. Being queer enough was not like a thing. My problem is actually kind of opposite right now is people don't think I'm, and it sounds stupid, like, um, cis enough. Like, I guess, um, man enough, if you want to air quote that to the extreme you know like uh, you need to be stronger you need to be buffered you know like oh god fucking go somewhere you know um yeah. i'm very comfortable like i'm i'm pretty comfortable in my expression of myself um so i mean it is what it is there in that regard but um in terms of the witch community and i know i keep going back to this you know Volunteering and pagan pride kind of stuff, but I have talked to Byron Ballard, Lara Tempest Amy Blackthorne, um, there's probably, I mean, Rob Shriver, he's the, he was, you know, former president, and he's, he's very well known, lo- well known with, you know, what he does, um, and I'm probably, person uh, Tara, you know, uh, Corey, I've interacted with him briefly. So like I, I've had practice. Um and really and I think the best thing is that you I just treat these people as people because they're people. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just it's and and last year with Pagan Pride like I I had a lot of imposter syndrome in the beginning because I was taking over as president of it. And Scott, you kind of remember this, like there was a bit of a mix-up as to who our keynote was going to be, and I thought I really damaged a very important um, connection a- in the community, and it was a fucking nightmare for me. Like I was like losing sleep over it for a couple days, but you, you know, were very, yeah, you were very, yeah. Hurt um we talked and we're cool and i and i truly believe that like we're cool now and it was just it was just it was a novice mistake on my part and but i learned a thing i'll never fucking do that again that's for goddamn sure um but it's it's a it's a learning experience and i just think that the best way to deal with imposter syndrome is to actually have human connection get off the internet and go out and find other witches I agree and I and I know that that is not always possible for some people
2: Uh
0: and that is why for me personally like if any of you out there listening, and I know I like if you're in the tri state area, I will organize a meetup. I will do it. I will give it a whirl if you are local to uh, like around the Philly ish area. I'll do it. Um, also, just for me personally, like if you, if like I'm opening up to like if anyone just wants to be like, hey, can we just get on like a Skype call, like a video chat and just like talk about witch stuff? Yes. Sure. If that's if that's the connection, if that's the only way you're going to get that kind of like kind of interpersonal like that kind of personal connection, then yes, I'll do it. Because it's so important and I think it really helped me feel like the witch that I know I am is by interacting with other people in the community.
2: Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. I mean, that makes sense for y'all. I'm not sure if that's going to be my path yet. Um, I mean, we'll see how the podcast goes and everything, but like, I still kind of am that solitary witch from the woods, you know? It's hard when, like, that was 25 years of my identity. Like, that's, I've only been living in the city for five years. It's like, a lot to just kind of want to give up immediately and I know that I'm secure within my practices and I'm not like truly isolated like I do have networks of people I talk to but like I don't know it's weird most of them are like within DKMU and like the podcast and like the greater chaos magic community as a whole but like I don't know I don't know anybody famous. I've never, like, sat down and had a conversation with someone who is, like, well-known for anything. I'm from a small town in the middle of fucking dirt fuck nowhere, like, British Columbia, 3,000 people growing up, 500 kids in my entire, like, high school. And that's, like, from three cities coming around, like... Actually, it's, like, more like four, you know? So, like, I'm not used to this world. I'm still getting used to it. I don't know how the fuck all y'all city witches live not being able to just go out and forage your own supplies sometimes, too. Like, that has posed a serious, uh, just weirdness to me. Like, buying all my stuff from an apothecary when I could, like, know to go to locate certain plants.
2: It's just weird. I mean, that part drives, I mean, but then again, of course, once again, that comes down to, that's not always, like, not all witches like that thing, you know, not all witches like to be out foraging for plants. I I wish I could, you know, like, for me, that drives me nuts. Like, I get hardcore, like, um, uh, nature separation, depression type stuff going on. Like, I I get, like, actually depressed when I can't be in nature for long periods of time. Um, It's... mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's it's just you yeah. know I get I get it you know like I mean I I yeah. totally understand where you're coming from I do and
1: I know a lot of fucking rural witches who are solitary as hell who might not have a coven who maybe have like. Five trusted friends who have really good information who they can go to to network because no witch works alone I will tell you that fucking secret there is no true hermit and if there is I have yet to find them because everybody I know has talked to somebody about magic but I don't know I feel like city witch life is good and I'm
2: loving it and i'm just trying to get used to it you know i mean and yeah i I, and that's of course totally okay you know what i mean like i know where you're at like i feel i know where i'm at Up i mean right i i feel like too though like there's always in particular like you know for young witches they they um even i was like this you know like when like before i mean i'm still very happy kind of being i guess technically yeah i'm solitary i mean jay and i will one day start a coven again but yes. once again like when i'm in a coven i don't feel like coven work and being solitary, i don't know how to put it but like it's like i come together with my coven and i don't know change the identity of the solitary practitioner weird but anyway um young yeah, people they go through the same thing right and suddenly they realize there's a community craving. but i can see that happening for other people that kind of like the other way around or whatever you know like i get your situation that's all i'm trying to say mm-hmm. so, yeah. i mean
0: i i've only ever had the experience of being an urban witch a city which um i enjoy it i like cities because i hate cars Um, and I know that sounds stupid, like, you know, you hate cars, so you live in a city with tons of cars, but I like to be able to walk places conveniently. Um, that's just, that's just kind of like what I like about cities. I like the fact that I could take a train or a bus and, and that time that I'm spending traveling in that train or bus, like I can read a book or, you know, like do something else with my time or my mind or whatever it is. So, um, so I do very much like, um the urban lifestyle um I like shops too I like to go into witch shops so I really have no problem about like not being able to just go out and just like oh I, want, I need this and so I'm gonna go out into the forest and go get it I I don't really have a problem like it doesn't bother me very much
1: I mean that's for I- like a nuanced example
0: yeah But I think it doesn't bother me very much because I know that I'm also incredibly not qualified to do that. Like, I would need someone to teach me how to do that.
1: It's really not that hard. You know what Rosemary looks like. You know what time looks like. Yeah.
0: Do I? (laughs) Do you not? I don't think I do, honestly. I really... Like, if you put the two... If you put a bunch of, like, like, I could tell you bay leaves, I got that, but, like, if you put a bunch of, like, I guess just regular kitchen herbs down on the table, a little pile of each one, and they were not in their appropriately labeled jars... I would have a difficult time telling you what all of those things are.
1: You gotta understand, I'm, like, rubbing my hands over my forehead in frustration, because I'm like, oh my god, and they look completely fucking different on the plant. If you don't even know what they look like in herb form, then Christ, I don't know what to explain.
0: Right, and that's what I'm saying, like, the plant itself versus, like, the dry, I would have no idea. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to tell you. So that's what I'm saying, like, I'm completely unqualified to go into the forest and, and pick Um,
1: dandelion what about dandelions right or like you know what lavender looks like
0: i do know what lavender looks like just because i've seen a lot of it (laughs) nope
1: you don't it's like the flat needle like that kind of look like okay never mind like pine trees like (laughs) oh fuck
0: yeah, I mean, I get evergreen trees, but I I don't really think I could tell you the difference between pine versus this versus that, you know, Oregon an oak grape? tree versus another tree. I couldn't really tell you that.
1: Oregon grape? What? Oh,
0: okay. Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's that's my experience like that's that's just the urban witch thing and and that's why i get so many books because i need to constantly reference that because i'm not exposed to that constantly so that's why i'm always like okay check back on the book you know remember what this is look
2: at the picture that because
1: like i know more about the plant in its natural form Mm -hmm. And you know more about, like, the spell ingredients and usages of it in a spell. I Mm can find it, sure, and harvest it and, like, make use of it. But you're the one who knows what spells it goes in. Mm -hmm. It's, like, it comes back to also kind of um, what Scott was talking about, like, in specialized roles. Like, right there, I know what herbs to identify and can, like refine them into oils if i need to and like jay has like the books and library to identify what he needs to make the spell happen you know
0: and that's what i'm saying i, I think that's see people so a witch that i would say like a, a witch that's one of those egotistical witches that just that's more of a rural witch would look at me and say what do you mean you you don't know what time looks like you don't know what rosemary looks like on site what kind of witch are you You know what I mean? Someone would say that to me.
1: Okay, and to be clear, my shock wasn't in that capacity. It was just, like, me understanding that you didn't actually know what it meant. And I was like, okay. Right,
0: right. So there are people that would say, well, what kind of witch are you? And I, I'd be like, well, I'm an urban witch who just isn't exposed to that shit all the fucking time. So take a seat, Karen. You there know what true. I mean? There is,
1: even And there's even technomancers. Like people who, I, there's a lot of people who work in like code and tech who are also occultists. And uh-huh. they are fucking tech wizards, I promise you. They run your internet.
0: Right, and but by this, but on the flip side, like I could say to you, Sophia, like, oh, what do you mean you don't know what the the properties of lavender are? What do you mean you don't know what you well, can use okay, time lavender, for? You know what I mean? I
1: I could actually or tell like, you the lavender, but not the time.
0: Right, but I'm just saying, like, I could I could do Get the I, I could yeah. Five. Like, I could do the opposite of, like, well, what spell components would you need to do this, you know? And it's just, like, and I think that's the problem in the witchcraft community, is everyone thinks they have to fucking know everything, and that's not the case. We should just pool our resources and work together. Like, why not work together, you know? It just doesn't make any sense.
1: I've said this before, um, one of the most valuable resources a witch has for knowledge isn't themselves, it's the people they know. Like, um, I used to be friends with like an expert Kabbalist, right? Although they wouldn't refer to themselves as such. They certainly are. Um, and I know like two uh I know an astrology expert. I know um someone who's a really good up and coming astrology person. Um, like I, I have these individual people who I can go to for certain for certain stuff. And like if I need to talk about like spirits or lore and tradition i'll probably ask scott you know whereas i like, also have an
2: extensive knowledge of herbs
1: too good <laughs> and also i really hope you ask me about theory someday because i got fucking epic buck tons about spell crafting and shit i can i can say <laughs> just
0: saying um and and that's like kind of the point is like just between the three of us we all have very um distinct skills and skill sets that we're good at and I think to to kind of like bring it back to the idea of imposter syndrome is we look at these other people like oh you know this person is just like a, an authority on herbalism and it's like okay they might be but they're not the only one right. and you know what I mean and that doesn't you know it's just
2: so you don't to- have
0: to know everything to be a witch. You don't have to know it all. You're never going to know it all.
1: So, so the real solution then is that we all got to treat real life like it's Dungeons and Dragons and find out what your class and subclass are and play. And party game. up. Like a party. Yes. To yeah. be honest, we are all the DM at the core level. All the pieces go back in the same box, my friend. However, we play a role. And that's what it means when I say, What's your class? I think we're ready to
0: wrap it up. I think we've kind of, is there there. any kind of like summarizing statements that we kind of want to bring home for people? Uh,
2: Hmm.
1: You're probably not going to get over your imposter syndrome by people telling you not to to feel that way. And I mean, hell, all of the advice everybody gave you this episode. I don't feel any better about the performance tomorrow, but I'm still gonna go. And I'm still gonna like do everything I can to make sure that I actually give that performance.
2: Sophia just kind of summarized it for me without ever meaning to, just do it. Whatever it is that you feel imposter syndrome for, if you can find the courage and empowerment and the strength inside yourself to just do it. Even if you are terrified, even if you're scared, or or feeling, uh, you know, any sort of impostery or unworthy, just go with it, because that's probably the best thing is exposure.
0: I am a huge supporter of trying to find your community, your local witch community, whether it's one person that you meet up with at a coffee shop or, you know, or... 20 different options of groups of 50 plus people. No matter what that looks like, I always recommend like try and find your community. Your community is going, your community is there. Um, It's there for you. It's there with you. There are people out there that think very similarly to you that you will vibe with. It's not, you are not alone out there, especially in this age of the queer witch. I mean, witchcraft is, is on the rise. More people are getting into it. More people are learning. And who knows, you may even be in a position where you've studied for so long that you might actually teach someone a thing or two about witchcraft and steer them in the right direction. So don't I, I I don't wanna I don't wanna say don't be nervous to reach out because you're going to be nervous, but know that it is worth it to reach out it is worth it to take that step
1: also don't sell yourself short
2: they deserve to be you know in the spaces that they're in you know what i mean know that you deserve to be there exactly
0: you belong there if you were a witch you belong in the witch community and no one can take that from you
1: also actually to close up here's a really good piece of advice i read about um imposter syndrome ages ago you're not that good at fooling other people that you would somehow sneak your way into the room. You know, like mm-hmm. um, one of my friends ended up working for like a big company, Riot Games, and it was an article that they, they sent me to like deal with stuff that they were feeling at the time. Right. And it was like the people who take an interest in what you do you're not good enough at faking skill to fool them. You don't have that kind of capacity within you. You're not some great masterful deceiver. And it's not up to you to decide the value that other people see in what you bring and who you are. You know, that's not for you to decide.
0: Absolutely. It's
1: just up to you to be yourself.
0: Yeah. So um we're gonna wrap it up here this is a bit of a longer episode but i think we do i think we we do well on the longer episodes where we really unpack things and really get into it um so we are on the big three social medias facebook twitter and instagram our handle on those platforms is which is betwixt All one word, lowercase. Um, We welcome messages on all three platforms. We check all of them except for Twitter, which is exclusively run by me. Um, Earlier we talked about tabling Twitter, but I'm kind of like back on Twitter. So I don't know. I'm tweeting. Whatever. You like drama? I I like to read the drama, but also like I like to just tweet. It's like my outlet when I'm at work. I can just kind of like post something. Um, So the Twitter is run by me. Um, if you want to add your post to like our online community, we do have a hashtag. I never really talked about the hashtag before. I kind of just put it on, on the post, but it is, um, hashtag W B T W X T. So we betwixt, it's like a shortened version of which is betwixt. Um, so use that hashtag if you want to, you know, have your post, you know, kind of within that little, that little online community there. Um, the links to our official Facebook group and website are in the show notes below, as well as anything that we reference in here that we are going to put into the show notes. Um, Scott and Sophia, please send that to me so I can put them in the show notes. So I don't forget. Um, and, um, we, and also in the show notes is a link to our website as well. It's witchesbetwex.com. No spaces, no dots, you know, nothing to worry about that. Just witchesbetwex.com. Um, We have a blog on there, and um, we're trying to post pretty regularly on that blog. We're working on getting some homemade witchy wares stocked in a little shop soon is kind of my plan for that. So um, stay tuned. But for now, we are going to head out of here, and we will see you in the next episode.
2: Bye, everyone. Bye. Don't forget to banish.